0: This is it. This is our big this is our big night.
1: Oh, man, I'm stressed. This actually, I get
2: constipated for this episode.
1: This like actually is something
0: you. that this to me is like Christmas. This is really when the Christmas yeah. season is over. Yeah. This is when it's yeah. like now you guys can will leave tonight. On. You guys will leave tonight and go into the cold January night and it will seem like January of 2015. Yeah. But until we do this, I'm I'm still hanging on to the, the year Same. before. Same, I'm And I've been thinking about it like crazy. Got a lot been, of baggage. I've been cramming. I that's what I do though. I'm John. I'm Steve.
1: I'm Ron. I don't do a lot of cramming. I but... mean, cram stuff in this whole thing. It's fucking... <laughs>
3: they
0: call me Krampus. <laughs> Old Krampaw. I like Krampaw. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I'm... It always happens for me, the tradition holds true, that a movie that snaked in just under the wire took the top spot. Get out. The first year we did this Holy podcast, shit. it was The Grey, the last yeah. movie that I saw that just really, like it, my balls were still tingling from The Grey. Right, right. And then the, l- the last year that we did it, um, it was Captain Phillips for me because I was still in shock from seeing that final scene of that with Tom mm-hmm. Hanks's mm-hmm. reaction to the the aftermath. So this year, the same thing happened. A movie that came in, there was a one-two punch. There were movies that hit me emotionally. There were it was a it was one movie that hit me, and then another movie that hit me, and I had to decide.
1: You were just abused. Which by one? Good which movies. one hit me more? Getting hit with all kinds of whammies. And
0: it got me to thinking about this list. This year, there were a lot of movies that really had an impact on me. It's
1: a good year. Did you movies. find that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. The nice, I, I, is a diversity. that how you put
0: together your list? Like, do you look? Do you try to slot in like certain movies just because you know they were important or because? No. The, you, you go for like what what hits you the, Hit the me, hardest? Hit me, yeah.
2: I try not to do the the former only because I feel like then it's not my list. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like yeah. I'm not try to be too influenced by like what. Is the what's in like the the main channel of a buzz right now? You You're know? right. It's
0: not. It's not as though we're doing this for some like encyclopedia or something like right, that. You're not right. trying. That's a good point. Yeah.
2: Because it it is tempting
0: though to try to like hit all the the highlights of the year, but there's some certain movies that get you more than any other for no real reason. Yeah. yeah. Did you find yeah. that this this was a strong
1: year, Ronald? It was a really strong year. There were a lot of. <clears throat> I, I've never cried so much. It's weird, man. Like I don't know if it's just me. Being more like I don't know in touch with my feelings, but or maybe these movies were just powerful enough to kind of sway me in that direction. I feel like I had a lot of movies that I've cried like a baby of for a couple movies, and I, I I cannot think of a year that I did that for. So I'm I'm excited. I think I'm also really
2: something I noticed I feel like my list this year is extremely diverse. Yeah, hmm. like of what I got down to my top ten, like I think mine is. I, I I was having so I got down to twenty, and then that's where I really started to stress out because I'm like, <laughs> really on any given day I would make any of these movies could be in my top ten film, and I, I having rewatched most of those top twenty in the past like three weeks, I got a really good sense of it. But I, I genuinely still feel that there were twenty really great movies this year that I loved. I would and,
0: say that there were fifteen of my top twenty that could have been in the top five for sure. Yeah, and then of those, there were only right at the end that I realized there were three that like towered above the rest that had okay. to be the top three. But the other four through fifteen, okay, it all could have been moved around. You know, yeah, depending yeah, on how yeah. I was feeling. Can yeah. we make a rule? What? What's the rule? I have a rule. What's the rule?
1: That I want to try to institute. Maybe we can start doing this for for now on. Yeah, two substitutes two substitutes so here's a here's a rule okay. if someone picks a movie that you pick mm-hmm. you can sub that you could sub a movie out. oh
0: yeah sure well no one knows what's on your list
2: until you say it anyway.
1: yeah so, so, you can,
2: so, so you would so like say somebody picked something that you had as your number one is their number 10 you're going to sub a like movie for, in, in, ronald's can, in, ronald's case,
0: in ronald's case someone else says rio too yeah right right <laughs> and you're like that was my number one would you would you slide another movie into number yeah. one you would replace your number one no, movie?
1: No, not a number one. Maybe a number three or number two. Because <laughs> I
0: sometimes wonder if I would just sit silently and then leave it as a surprise that that's two my
2: substitutes. Why don't we try to find a sweet spot where it will afford you the opportunity to throw into the conversation one of your like honorable mentions? Okay, like not taking the place of the number I just said spot. I'm
1: saying I'm trying to avoid the whole like picking two for one number.
2: Picking two for one number.
1: Picking two numbers. Picking two movies for number. Picking one movie for two picking numbers. Two, <laughs> picking two movies. I'd say we movies. just
2: piggyback on it and just say that's also on my list.
0: Yeah, I also the, also at the end there's time to mention your also rans and things that almost. All right, up.
2: we can just we can just feel it out. You know? right. yeah, like, yeah, If feel it's, it's out. really awkward, I we feel can, like this we is can open it up. We this trust really one another.
0: It is tense because it's like we're treating it like it's like a draft it, pick or something like that. It is. But I actually like, was we- going
2: to suggest instituting a scoring system <laughs> where each spot in our top 10 carried a certain number of points. So what mm. we would do is submit our top 10 to John ahead of time. Each film would receive a total score among the cumulative points that's gathered mm. b- between each of Holy us. Holy shit. And that would be Movie Shmovie's top 10. So we'd go down that list, talk about each of it that we had on it, and then throw in whatever else we had. We could do that. For all the years we've been doing
0: our best of, we can go back and get some oh, retroactive shit. stats. Wow. There maybe, might good, maybe maybe we could try that next year. There yeah. might be a spreadsheet because I feel like
2: that would be like pretty badass. I'm like really good if idea. a movie that was like in all of our top tens, but maybe mm-hmm. one five eight, mm-hmm. that movie would would gather so many points that mm-hmm. it might be the number one movie. Of gotcha. That. So I would say this: I was going to
0: recommend <laughs> that everybody <laughs> answer this question, and you can mention a movie if you want to. Okay. Um, is there a movie that that you were very shocked to see was not in your top
1: 10? Yes. Several.
0: What well, n- just throw one out. One that we were particularly shocked was not in You your mean top 10.
2: movies that we still say we really like? Like one that or? you would
0: have thought would have been a shoe in for your top 10. Like different from okay. like even though we've all said we have 15 or so that are probably interstellar. pretty strong, You know, Interstellar.
1: Interstellar. Yeah. Not that it was a bad movie; it's a incredible movie, but it wasn't in my top ten. You Humbug
0: the shit out of that movie, so yeah. it is interesting. But you did say it might end up on your list. Yeah, so. it,
1: did, it didn't make my top ten, though.
0: Well, there's a grandness to that film that yeah. definitely makes you consider it. You know,
1: I feel like that's one of those movies that at, I I say that now, but if somebody puts it on and I'm and I'm at their house, I'm gonna watch it. Right. So that that means that that's a different conversation for where movies stand in the the annals of time mm-hmm. but i think that i did not pick it because i right. just
2: i don't i don't know if there's any that i would say didn't make money. i mean i don't cuz they would might am i seeing it like number 11 through 15 or sort of
0: yeah like is there one of those that just when you look at that movie look with you know with your heart <laughs> you would have thought that movie would have been in your top 5 or your top 10 and it's just not you couldn't fit it in
2: um <laughs> yeah, there, there there's one there's <clears throat> there's one that was like the one that got moved out, probably the most recently. to name it. I named um, mine. I no, no, I'm about to name it. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's not even a. It's not like some crazy thing, but uh, it was do- the documentary Life itself. Hmm. Oh, the, oh, the, the, the Roger, Roger Ebert document. documentary. Um, it's just really important, like for what we do, and yeah. as much joy as we take in talking about films, as just like the average dudes. Um. Yeah, just growing up watching Siskel and Ebert, the movies, and, you know, the thumbs yeah. up. Like, just the scale of what movies became to me and how accessible they became when I could watch somebody talk about it in a way that I could understand. And that's what Roger Ebert was. I mean, I, he may not have been the most, I don't know, prestigious critic. Maybe somebody say would say he was. I don't know. But the access that Steve James had to him and that he gave him before passing away and his wife and his family and um, learning more about the man, it was an amazing experience to learn much more about somebody that you already kind of idolized. Yeah. Mm. And uh it's it's really sad too to watch and it's it's just a really emotional documentary that you guys got to watch if yeah, you I haven't seen it. it. But uh that just got pushed out. I don't know. I don't yeah. know why. I felt I feel really bad about it, but um yeah, that would be the one probably. I, well,
0: oddly enough Interstellar was my 11, but that,
2: that's the yeah, one my, my final
0: it's... top 20. But the movie that I, I'm the most surprised didn't make it in my top 5. Is a movie that actually was number nineteen, and that's Inherent Vice.
2: That makes See, me so happy.
1: I'm so happy that you,
0: John. Did the I'm fucking... so
2: proud of you right yeah, now. I'm but proud of you too. You can't even tell, John. I'm so <laughs> I'm proud of so you right now of you. because Let's... I do not want to hug
1: you. Let's... But it's
0: like because it's like it was not bad. It was real, but it was it really wasn't. like it was a director who's like at the height of his powers doing something very strange and off-brand. Right, right. Can right. We admit? And 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 I would say one thing before before we admit something, I just want to get this out cuz I thought of this today and I was like this is interesting mm-hmm. because it's like Thomas Pynchon is the there's the novelist that wrote Inherent Vice, the that which the premise of this to fans of I mean, you know, not to say like People understand, but when this movie's marketed, it's like a tough one to sell. Maybe, but what uh, you know, what people who follow Paul Thomas Anderson were were doing, and what, what people who follow Thomas Pynchon were doing was, right. oh, someone's adapting Thomas Pynchon, and they're choosing maybe his most accessible or or easiest to get into material, which is this book Inherent Vice, which is actually published rather recently. Um, and he's famous for having this kind of stream of consciousness, really wordy, a lot of wordplay kind of style he's famous for 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 writing unfilmable books but he's also famous for writing kind of unfinishable books mm. everyone that you talk to about Thomas Pynchon will say oh I tried reading uh, uh, Gravity's Rainbow you know uh, I threw it across the room but I keep picking it back up it's great but god damn I can't get through it I think in a weird way Paul Thomas Anderson did, did too good of a job of transferring that exact sensation to this film. Mm. It's almost a difficult film to finish. It's like it's not a movie you're thinking about rushing in to see a second time while you're watching it. Somewhere in there, it starts to drag and get confusing, and you're you're being held outside of things.
1: The sweet, the sweet irony of it. Joaquin
0: Phoenix is fantastic. Oh yeah. Josh Brolin is fantastic. Somewhere in this two and a half hour movie, maybe lurks a watchable shorter film that eliminates some of these great isolated scenes with great actors doing so something that doesn't add up to anything but i question whether that if you edited this movie down i don't think it would be in a weird way as valuable as it is which is if you want to see someone take an unfinishable novelist's work and transfer it into film form here is a difficult unfinishable film i would not doubt on some level of paul thomas anderson was like he knew it was not going to be a crowd pleaser however we've discussed it on this podcast before why would someone make a film that was inherently not going to connect with audiences right despite having a really likable warm in a way character uh joaquin phoenix plays Doc portello i've never seen a a character more accurately kind of depict that, that i said it to you guys as like a character who kind of stays in a haze as kind of a protective bubble yeah i thought it was really interesting and it really did i walked out of that movie and i had a pervading sense of like Paranoia. On the way home, because I left the theater late at night and I was alone in the theater. There was no one else in the theater to see, you know, in a, in a big, you know, theater to see um, a, a Paul Thomas Anderson film. That's unthinkable when you think about movies like There Will Be Blood or or Boogie Nights or even Magnolia or maybe even Punch Drunk Love. I don't know. This film really feels like it kind of squeaked out. And the general word about it was that it's kind of difficult. and as, as much as I admire it, and I really do think there's a lot to admire about the way it's made, and maybe it would live on better as something you could watch at home in kind of segments, but I felt sort of bludgeoned by the, the uh, contrived uh, stream-of-consciousness nature of this movie. So, yes, I was surprised. Like, I was expecting, I, was seeing, I saw this in the last couple of days, and I was like, oh, who knows, i got to save a spot in my top ten for old PTA.
1: No. Nope. No. Nope. His weakest work.
0: I don't even know if I would say that, but yes, you could say that if, if we're judging. I would say his least satisfying film. I couldn't I,
1: I not couldn't And I do finish. think
0: there's a difference between weak and unsatisfying. I couldn't finish it. Mm-hmm. And Me that's either. never...
1: I could not finish it. Well, that's I a statement. Really that's really a real hard. statement, you know. I would,
0: but I mean, I, maybe you guys are like, you're the person reading a Thomas Pynchon novel like myself and getting about 200 pages in and going, what the fuck am I doing and I have with a my real, life? real,
1: I have a real, like, gotta finish this movie. I have to finish it. I have to see the credits. I could not do it. Yeah, It was unbearable to me. And I, I love his movies. Well,
0: here's the thing. A lot of people think The Master was unwatchable, but I find that movie to be not cold. I find that movie to be very like emotional. And the way that movie ends is like an emotional... Whether you enjoy that ending or not, it's an emotional catharsis for the characters. That was a weird movie with a weird ending that to me felt like it came around into something special. This was a movie that was a weird movie with a weird ending that really seemed like it was meant to leave you with the feeling of, oh, well, it's over. I guess I'll either listen to the song over the credits or leave, but it was not like, wow. You know? Like, it didn't end with a bang at all.
1: Yeah. Ain't my bag, baby.
0: Yeah. Too bad. Yeah. But you know what? It's fine. It's fine. It's okay. It's fine, guys. It's fine.
1: So who's going to start off? who's Who's doing number 10?
0: What do we do? We talk about our top... We talk about our... Ten through six in kind of a flurry, and yeah. then we let's let's power through. So these. we go through around. Okay, I'll go ahead and jump in. Sprint it, sprint, sprint. Um, my number ten is a movie that actually could have been almost anywhere in my in my top in, in, ten through four. I would say, <laughs> because it was it it is different. You do try to create that diverse list, but we talked about it at length when it came out, and it's actually the only documentary on my list, and that's Jodorowsky's Dune.
1: Oh okay. my god, such a good movie.
0: Or Jodorowsky, Jodorowsky, Jodorowsky. I, I remember looking up oh, how to pronounce it when we talked about it. it's Hispanic. Them. It's like Yodorovsky. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Yodorovsky's Dune. Yodorovsky's. Um, that still sounds wrong. Yodorovsky's Dune, uh, directed by Frank Pavich, um, which was just fascinating in terms of the description of the materials that were created for the movie and how you really wanted to get your hands on that book they described that that, that had all the concept art and all of the stuff that Yodorovsky put together. Uh, to, to realize that film and seeing this artist talk about his work in this really I don't know it, just energized way and seeing this old guy in particular talk about art as this living thing and then to realize that the materials created for the pre-production of the film had such an influence on films beyond uh, its scope And to realize if this movie had happened, if he had made his Dune in 74 or 75, it would have predated Star Wars and would have maybe changed the way that we got into this type. I mean, I think it still would have been a very strange film and it might have prevented something like Star Wars from happening. (laughs) But it's still a fascinating... It's a fascinating movie about a fascinating artist. And so, yeah, Jodorowsky's Dune. Mm.
1: Uh, My number 10 is uh, Blue Ruin. So... uh, it's 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 it would have been another movie. It would have been the guest. But this movie
0: I thought of those two movies kind of in the same yeah, breath. Yeah, kinda of in well. the same breath. Yeah.
1: And and I think the reason why I chose this one was that it was in the vein of something a little darker, something a little steeped in like the circumstances surrounding the the main character though, you know. Somebody that had something to do with something awful in this guy's life coming out of jail, and um, this guy's reaction to it, and how he was kind of,
0: uh, seems so right in a turnpike, like
1: almost I mean. dead. You days. know what <laughs> I mean? I just thought <laughs> I it was a it really cool movie, and the way that the action happened, mm-hmm. the fact that these weren't, the characters were very normal looking. It felt very real. I I think Blue Ruins like one of my favorite movies of the year. But it's I my hope number so. T- it's my number 10. Yeah, it's my number 10, though.
2: My number 10 yep. is a movie that has Tom Hardy in it. Ah, Oh, And boy. this is a movie that... Uh, Oy vey. No expectations. There was another Tom Hardy film that came out this year that I had more expectations for. I still enjoyed that film quite a bit, mm-hmm. but not as much as I enjoyed The Drop. Mm. Ah, I um, thought you were going to go with the other one. Yeah, I enjoyed that film. That's the one man. You know, this mm-hmm. is Tom Hardy. He's awesome. I know that already. What I love about The Drop um, is the slow burn of his character. He kind of plays like this doofus or kind of slower muscle barkeep. You know, he's very close. Mm -hmm. It it was James Gandolfini's last film to the owner of this bar. You kind of sense that there's more to his character, but it's very, very intentional about not showing you too much and letting you try to assume some things with his interactions with the bar owner. And also with this girl that he meets uh, when he's trying to save this adorable puppy. Um, Who's played by Numi Numi Rapat Rapace Rapace? We've never. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry to yeah. her specifically for that we haven't taken time to figure your name out.
0: I think it might be like Numi Rapace. Let's yeah. just go with the most phonetic. You Rapace. Because um, I want to say like Noomi Rapace.
2: <laughs> Rapace. <laughs> but just an awesome. It feels like a super throwback to like the New York, like the brawn of like '70s New York slow burn thrillers, mm-hmm. and it felt great. Watching that character boil to a point in the last ten minutes, and when you see what happens, and when you see what the what it is that is more to him, it was awesome. It was extremely exciting in the theater um, experience-wise for me. <laughs> and it's like you know, you you know, you really like an actor, and you know, you've seen them kind of stretch in certain ways before in their in their you know credit list. But um, this probably is my favorite Tom Hardy film. And James Gandolfini, while understated in this film, is not Tony Soprano in this film, but is incredible. It's really great. I hope you guys can check it out. If you haven't seen it yet, um, it's definitely worth watching for sure. Mm. Uh, My number nine is one that, you know,
0: we talked a lot about this. And I I think, I don't know if we talked about it. when we talked about this movie, but there's certain movies that just kind of a new character is created and is presented to you and you kind of wrestle with that and you you realize that years from now you may go back and think about this character again and again. And um, the film around it is good, but the character is really the thing that sticks with me. And I'm talking about Nightcrawler, directed by Dan Gilroy, Mm. a movie that really crept up on my... What like, did it crawl up? I would say it crawled up through. It was it was as though it was at night and it was crawling up on me. The so um, sneaky. it really was very sneaky and worm like. No, it, it it's a movie that I don't know. You, you think about movies that kind of haunt you, and I found myself thinking a lot about this movie after I saw it. And when I was making this list and kind of shoveling stuff around, it, it kept I kept swapping it out for other things, and it it was in, it was out. But when I really thought about uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's performance as Lou Bloom. It just—I don't know that there was a more, there was maybe one more menacing, real person presented in a movie this year, and I—I I think that that is always something that's going to stick with you, is that person that seems like it's almost like this movie has tapped into something that's just like unique and evil, and you can sort of believe that it really exists, but you also recognize that it's like a movie creation. There's something movie monsterish about this guy, and you know, and it's a—it's a very modern psychological approach to that idea of a character that's just capable of worse things than the average person, you know, mm. a, man, a master manipulator kind of
2: kind of guy. I'll get out of line real quick and say that's my number six. Okay. Yeah, so, I'd also like to point out how gorgeous that film is. Yeah, it like is. Like, the night of L.A., like, L.A. at night, super sexy. I, I read someone creepy.
0: say that it was not a movie of its moment, that it was a movie of, like, the 70s, that it really feels like that. But I, I think it really does feel like that kind of, for lack of a better term, it's a word that gets thrown around a lot, but there's something kind of gritty about Definitely, it yeah. and it dives right in with that ugliness there are certain things about it that were um, again I think the plot is less important than the character but what you see in that film the rise of this character and what he, what he's willing to do yeah. and the fact that he's willing to do certain things puts him ahead of, of a lot of these people that are already willing to do some pretty pretty heinous things it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting how chilling that idea was and again the fact that you can kind of believe it it makes it extra extra haunting so
3: Hmm.
0: so my yeah, number nine no you're number six number six what else has Dan Gilroy done have we seen anything else from him Is, was this the first time uh,
2: I think it director? was was it his directorial debut I want to say it might have been That's I know he's written a lot out. of stuff Gilroy right yeah <clears throat> he's a directorial g- debut he's a tall fellow yeah, dir- yeah, 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 yeah and did he write it yes yeah yeah, I, I I really enjoyed that film.
0: And looking at, you know, now that I'm on Wikipedia, <laughs> I'm an expert on certain things. The fact that it was made for under $9 million and it's already made almost $40 million probably means, you know. I mean, the word of mouth has been pretty astounding
2: for I hope it. he gets nominated for an Oscar. I would
0: be surprised in a weird way if he didn't. But again, it's a pretty loaded field this year. Yeah, we'll see. But it, in another year, this is clearly the kind of performance that, yeah. you know, that would have kind of risen above the pack, but.
1: Run out. Uh Nightcrawler. <laughs> oh, was That yeah, was your number nine. Yeah.
0: Anything to add?
1: Uh, not really. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're right. It's a it's a cool character study. I think that the script was as loose as it was, just because the characters were so strong. Like mm-hmm. just to, you know, kind of let it unfold through the characters and how how intense it gets after a while. I, I enjoyed it. So that's my number nine.
2: I love that. I love how much of a of a manipulator he was. Yeah, he was so good at Just it. Just dead eyed, uh, yeah. so, so well, that idea
0: hmm. that that person that you might think, oh, that guy's awkward, and therefore you think you kind of have one up on him. Yeah. But the fact, the way that he was able to manipulate even people who were sort of hip to his his deal was yeah. really interesting. You know, the fact that the movie again it makes him. You you think, okay, I could meet someone like that and I would not know how to outsmart him because he's already, you know, he's focusing all this energy on manipulating and outsmarting and you're focused on, like, real emotions and real thoughts. You know, even, like, the Bill Paxton character, you sort of understand that guy's motivation and kind of, well, he's a scummy guy who does this nasty job for a living, but he yeah. treats it like a business. But Jake Gyllenhaal treated it like, a, or Lou Bloom treats it like a, you know, like a... Like a, a, there's a religious zeal almost mm-hmm. to the way that he methodically goes through
2: what he does.
1: Yeah, good movie. Number
2: nine for me is actually another kind of vibe-wise, a throwback '70s, '80s New York thriller dramas, um, which I actually just one of the most recent films that I find. And I believe you said see. boom. Boom is a good idea. Yeah. yeah, boom was what was on my mind is uh, J.C. Shendor's a Most Violent Year yeah. with Oscar Isaacs. like it. um, It's on my list. Is it in your not- six to ten?
1: Uh, yeah.
2: Okay, so then we can... It's we can, my seventh. We can tag team it. Cool, cool. Just uh, another... I don't know. I just think I love that kind of slow burn movie. Like, I feel yeah. like I don't... I'm kind of... I, while I love the boom and the pow and the wow of all these other... Well, some other films on my list, it's these ones that really, like, make me slow down and just, like, really pay attention to the nuances of the character to their communication between each other, Mm -hmm. you know, between the husband and the wife and the husband and the lawyer and, you know, him and his employees. It's just, there's so much subtlety to how many compromises this man makes to think that he is not actually compromising and becoming like a gangster. Yeah. There's literally a part in this film where he's like, I did not want to be in their hand and I'm in, I'm in there now, you know, when he has to go to get the loan or something like that. But it's just, you know, you look at this guy, he's 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 tries to have so much integrity and to do it on the right and to do it on the up and up and to see how much is going on behind him that he doesn't know with his lawyer, with his wife that he finds out eventually. There's just so much of a battle, you know, you see Oscar Isaac go through. And I think it's, this is definitely my favorite movie that he's been in, um, that you can't help but just be in all of it. You know, like mm-hmm. literally there's a scene, um, like the business mind that he has in this film He's trying to be legit, you know, yeah. he's so hard. He's trying to be legit. He's not violent. You know, he has flashes of violence when it's kind of getting onto that brink, but then he pumps himself back. Um, but there's a scene towards the end where one of his uh, something happens to one of his coworkers, and a bullet hits one of his oil tanks. Yeah. And this guy's laying dead on the ground. Blood is splattered all over the place. His wife is completely, you know, devastated over here he walks up and plugs up the hole with his handkerchief so oil doesn't get wasted. This is a guy that's had oil stolen from him for the past years. Right. And he's finally figured out how to get it right, and he's finally figured out who's been siphoning this stuff off, and one of his employees kills himself right in front of him, and he goes up and he plugs the hole. It's yeah. not stopped That's not stopping him. Right. I love that. It's, man. fuck, that scene was like, fuck. As soon as I saw the oil come out, he's going to fucking plug that so hole
0: So J.C. Shandor is turning out to be one of these, like, Guys, you, you gotta watch it. You gotta watch You him. gotta watch you him gotta Because watch like, him. I thought All Is Lost was
2: fantastic, and As I, it was. I expect this to be great. Did you see Margin Call?
0: No, but I. I...
2: You saw Margin Call, right? Yeah. I thought Margin Call was really good no, too. I need to see it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. But I mean, he, that's, a, he's that's definitely a, that's, a,
0: that's, a, that's a nice mix of movies. Like, he clearly has an idea or a concept, yeah. and the, this this whole kind of crime organi- I mean organized crime but not organized crime as you right. said yeah, yeah. but cool. like I love that kind of throwback period piece type energy I don't know when it's done right it can be really really watchable and I think Oscar- I mean I feel like it almost feels like a perfect meeting of like JC Chandor and Oscar Isaacs and I guess Jessica Chastain yeah. as well at this point where they're you know they're ripe for this kind of this kind of material you don't you don't get martin Mm. scorsese to direct this type of movie anymore you get these other guys who are still wanting to work in that milieu but it's it's always really watchable that's one of the things that made american hustle so fun was the fact that it was set in that that backdrop you know
1: i've never seen a movie that traced the beginnings of somebody's whatever they're becoming the way that this movie when it's it's turning in its infancy like i've never seen a movie capture that moment quite as well as this did
2: it's as if you took a look at the character that robert de niro plays in goodfellas mm-hmm. yeah before, be- he was
1: that guy. before he was that guy before he was you know guy.
2: when he's trying to become the top dog but he's trying to in this case do it as much you know with but, as much integrity and 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 legal yeah because he tries really. they always
1: say that yeah it's <laughs> it's kind of the idea of like uh i mean this is a weird comparison but it kind of reminded me of like presidency like the idea that like you're doing all these amazing things, right? Mm-hmm. You, you're trying to become this right. person, right? But there are so many things working in the background that, that people just
2: fucking you over. People that are
1: <laughs> yeah. moving you up, <laughs> doing things for you, cutting the throats of other people around you because they want you to succeed. And and it was so weird. Some of the scenes where his wife would be like, "Look." like you have to understand that your li- our lives are in danger you have to do something about this mm-hmm. you have to do something about this it was cool to see the tension that existed between him and his wife and how he was reacting to the outside versus how he was right. you know he was kind of showing face for everybody in front of him right. and then inside he was a sh- he was shaken up by it it's, it's it's a rough thing to have your livelihood taken from you and then because of the way that it's all happening you can't make a re- police report because there's no proof. You can't right. report it to the police because there's no proof, really.
2: And not to mention that you're already being investigated. Yeah, the because be, they they they're assuming that you can't find success the way you are because yeah. no one else does. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, and actually, nuts. David Ayewolo is in this. Film oh, as well. yeah, so he good. Pretty qual- pretty quality. Yeah. There small role but yeah most of the year i it's, was it's pretty stuff.
1: certain that they were going to say something over the top to him like i thought they was going to get to a point where he was going to be like look you black piece of shit he didn't which was fucking weird
2: right that, that, that makes you like you, it makes you appreciate that character more. yeah at least it's, for me it, it did. was like a integrity they respected each other even though the ones trying to take the other down oh you know, god was it was cool. good. the whole speech at the end when he's like i've always done the thing that was most right yeah like it may not be right But in a sea of horrible things, I've done the most right. And then, and and then, what he,
1: God, what he said in response, like I'm gonna need your help.
2: Yeah. God damn it.
1: I I would love to see a most violent life.
2: (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you see what happened after
1: that. What happened after that? I would love to see a sequel. I agree with you. Fuck that movie was good. Great, great film.
2: John, what do you got? Number eight.
0: Number eight. This is one. It was the cough. Now, this is one that, um, you know, I didn't, uh, we were talking about this before, I guess, and we were saying we did, we tried not to have that approach of, well, I've got to have one mm-hmm. uh, action movie and one comedy mm-hmm. and one, what. but this, I did keep thinking I, I wanted to not forget the small films, the ones that stuck with me that, because there were so many big budget, high price tag entertainments this year that worked like gangbusters. Mm-hmm. I did not want my list to just be the, the, you know, top 10 grossing films of the year or whatever. Um, so uh, I thought about this one but once I started thinking along those lines about the, the, good, the good small films that came out this one really stayed on my list and uh, it was directed by Charlie McDowell I'm not sure what else he oh, did yeah. but the one I love which is a film that really s- keeps circling around my brain just with the way that it got at certain aspects of a relationship and being with someone and that kind of that the question that, that sticks in the craw is imagine if Someone came along who was just like 10% more attentive and nice and and accommodating than, the, than you are with your significant other. <laughs> and how clearly that person would have an inside line, you know, on, on you. because you and, and it makes you think about the ways you're kind of asleep at the wheel sometimes in your relationship and the way you expect certain things. And not that that's just what the movie was about, but I really thought that The One I Love had that approach of... Getting at something kind of subtle in an interesting way. It didn't feel like it was about miserable people. Yeah. So often, movies about relationships that want to get at that kind of dark stuff, they do it by, by taking down the idea of like yeah. togetherness almost. But I don't think that the one I love really felt like it was that cynical. There was something kind of sweet about it, even though, and maybe what's ex- especially interesting is the fact that it does develop into like a Twilight Zone ish sci fi idea. Um, but I also I really like I'm, I, I'm growing to really enjoy the, the Duplass brothers and I thought me Mark too. Duplass was great in this me too and I too. thought the way that he subtly changed his behavior to be one slightly more laid back version of himself and I've just always enjoyed Elizabeth Moss as well um, it's great on Mad Men but there's like an energy there's something about her an, an intelligence and kind of a, like a I don't know a, a, I hate to, all these words I want to use seem like they're diminutive or something but feisty or spunky or something there's something about her intelligence that just feels really like for lack of a better term like she seems like she'd be a fun weird person to be around you know yeah. and, I, and i and their relationship was just very believable and I, I felt for both of them in their plight and then when you introduce these other personalities which which without saying too much about the movie they do kind of encounter like alternate versions of the of their significant other mm. and those were fully rounded characters too that i felt for and at the end of the movie i was i was impressed that they'd managed to do something that's akin to the, the what primer did which is just to take something that's a crazy big idea and find a really low budget way to to tell that story. Hmm. So, cool. The one I love.
1: The one I love. Uh, my number eight. This is the eight, right? Yep. Yeah. My number eight is a sequel to one of my favorite action movies of all time, and that is the Raid Two. Um, not only does this up the ante, uh, it makes. I think that people need to learn from people like Gareth Evans about how to film action.
0: How is this movie not on my list? Uh, I don't know. Did that come out here, this year? Yeah. Yeah. Was, so, wow.
1: We saw that together. No, I know, but I couldn't remember you know that it crazy? was this year. You know what's crazy? It must have been at the beginning of the year.
0: Was it one that came I mean, I've, I'm not saying you're wrong. It probably did have its domestic release this year, maybe. But I remember reading about, I feel like it was... that was like know. April. It was April. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't know how I missed that one. Oh, man. Because so I definitely good. would Well, my top ten is now wrong. <laughs> anyway, I knew there'd be one that would that I would do that with. Somehow I didn't. Maybe it was because... Why would it not be in any of the I listings know, I man. looked at? Is I've... it the word Barondal that just threw me off?
1: I don't know. <laughs> this movie... I mean, the fact that they're plucking three people out of the movie to be in Star Wars.
0: It, it, Another act- smart choice for the Star Wars people at this yeah, point. They keep making cool casting choices. It's like, a,
1: it's like a dream come true, This this. The more people they keep plucking out of the...
0: Well, what they're doing is like really saying, yeah, anyone you ask in young Hollywood is going to say yes to a Star Wars role at yeah. this point. But like Domhnall Gleeson, they haven't talked much about him, but he's in it and he's supposed to be playing like a, a character they're setting up for more stuff. There's a lot of great actors that I've enjoyed a lot that are, yeah, popping up. But yeah. anyway,
1: Raid 2. Yes. Raid 2. So good. Um, I've Did see- you ever see the beginning? Yes. Okay. Because I never and saw really the first five it. minutes. I of- really enjoyed it. It's
0: I just Act. remember sitting there with you in, in the movie with that, not really, and then thinking, like, we have to be further I, into this what than is, that Yeah, what minutes. is this action scene? I yeah. feel like this is later on. In that um, pitch black theater. Yeah. Go back to
2: episode whatever and listen to us talk yeah, about that.
1: please. Very good movie. That's my number eight.
2: My number eight is The Lego Movie. Oh. Um, what could have been a long toy commercial, <laughs> which is what everybody says about this film, um, much like maybe the Transformers have become. Uh was not in fact it was more uh of a reminder to be inventive to be imaginative to have fun um and to laugh a lot yeah and the voice acting uh the animation um the way to use cgi to kind of mimic stop motion was just ingenious and just extremely entertaining um I i truly am buying into chris miller and philip lord like what what are, when are they gonna mess up? You know, right. I'm waiting on it. Don't want it to happen, but I not I, that everything at this point, like you know, 22 Jump Street
0: is does is a rehash, but it gets such mileage out of what a rehash it is. It still seems like they're moving forward with their oh, with their material at this point. You definitely, know? yeah. If they do 23 Jump Street, which as far as i have heard, they're not.
2: Well, there's a rumor that there's a Men in Black 21 Jump Street crossover.
0: Right, but I've heard that they're not writing it or right, something. Right, I guess right. what I'm saying is they should move on. They shouldn't yeah. keep. Yeah, there's the no need to make a
2: sequel to this movie. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, in my opinion, I'm sure they still will. I don't know what their involvement will be. But um, well, the, only, the only polarizing part of the film, I felt like with people that saw it, some people didn't love the third act. Um, I, I, don't, I underst- thought the third act was...
0: I, I should go ahead and say this... I'll just go ahead and yeah. I'm gonna make some adjustments so we can talk about it all at once. This, <laughs> was, this would have been my number six. Number six, okay. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it was so imaginative and so fun. The first two-thirds or so are so brilliant That it's a little bit of a come down that the 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 realization of the kind of twist or reveal in the third act, it's like it's not handled as artfully and as deftly as the rest of the material, but it doesn't really tarnish the overall imaginative effect of the movie too much. And in the end it 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 did kind of brought it brought me back around. Like I thought, oh, is this getting a little too cheesy? But in the end it it still got me. Yeah.
2: I I didn't really I don't know, I I thought it was pretty spot on for me. I I didn't really feel like it kind of took a misstep or anything like that. I mean, I almost felt like it was a reminder that as much fun as I was having with that film, it could totally be because of somebody's imagination. And it, and it is, obviously, but to see the the live-action part of it and uh, with The Child and with Will Ferrell and to see Spoiler. who President Business is, <laughs> um, I, thought, I actually thought it was pretty awesome. I think it went from, for me, the movie went from just being like really, really fun and entertaining to like to to, kind of like to greatness for me and I don't think anybody I think the casting in that film was pitch perfect also yeah everybody was awesome Yeah, everybody was awesome
0: awesome. the fact that they were making it look not like slick CGI but making it look like you know, stop motion animated yeah. figurines was was really clever. There was so much visual ingenuity yeah. about it. The smoke, the fire, the water. Oh my god! The way I, mean, so I remember smart. sitting there with you guys, I think watching that, and that w- there were like the you, the smoke would happen, and we would go, Oh god, that's and the know, waves. Uh, yeah, yeah, amazing. But you, we heard people gasping at like how cool it looked. Yeah. So yeah, let's not forget. And I think it's great when we saw it, we said, Let's not forget at the end of the year that this because it came out in February. That,
2: that's that's the key about this film is that it like hoodwinked us. Like yeah. it came out among all this crap. film. Right. Like literally, you know, and and you're like, wow, that movie was Okay. Great counter programming on the part of that studio. And if you
0: have seen this film and you didn't find yourself singing everything is awesome, I don't know, four or five times weekly since the movie came out, like it's just in that's just in the you know, like there'll be headlines that aren't even about this film that are like everything's not awesome in Hollywood or whatever. You know, it's like it's become a thing and it's really it's also part of the the Chris Pratt ascendancy,
2: which we'll probably talk about. Lego. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Lego Movie was a blast. Every I, I just keep coming back to all the characters that pop up throughout the film and just how hilarious all of the takes, especially uh especially Batman. Yeah. Batman yeah. Will Arnett's. Ba- Have you seen it? Yeah. You saw it. Okay. Loved it. Yeah. All the things they tweak. Yeah, it's just everything so freaking, from the, the prophecy, so the
0: chosen one, yeah. the wise old wizard, the everything so about smart. it is is yes, it's very very smart and very mm. very knowing without losing the emotional thread of the story.
2: Number 7 for me is Interstellar. Yeah. Uh, IMAX, 70 millimeter, fuck yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, experiences, emotion, space, physical space. Space, just space. Space. Uh, (laughs) sounds, visuals, the movie has a few flaws, no one's hiding that, but this is why you see movies in a movie theater. Yeah. yeah. I don't care what you want to complain about, if you want to know why it's worth spending money to see it in the theater... Mm This year, and probably the past few years, this is the example of why. You know, there's been some other great films experiences in the theaters, like in terms of just emotional rides or whatever. And some of the films on my list further down, I may have, you know, it's a different experience. But if you're looking for a reason, it's a movie like Interstellar. It's the filmmaker, Christopher Nolan, just going for it. You know, like don't be scared. Yes. Don't be worried about the haters going to hate. The, heinous, cause the anus, because yeah. the anus. I'm gonna yeah. go. I'm gonna go ahead and say. You're flashing uh, forward to the I'm future. I'm flashing forward because sci- sci-fi. Yeah. Because right. of sci-fi.
1: They're just peanut butter and jelly. Uh,
2: yeah. This is peanut butter and jealous. That's all it is to it, Chris. Peanut butter and jealous. If it not everything works, but more works than does not, in my opinion. Um, no, I, I mean think, we, you're I think, right.
0: No one else does it. The, the ambition. Yeah. The ambition. The, the, the it's visual, on the screen. Like, the, the the scenes where they go to those alternate worlds. There's something so. Mind-blowing yes just about and then the, all yes. the, the way that they ha- he handles the, the the time dilation is just that
2: blew my mind yeah. you guys talked about it before I saw it and I even knew about it mm-hmm. and knew that the scene was coming up but even just like I don't know man just I was so into it and sold on these characters and what their mission was yeah that when they come back and find that out and then watch those videos, I fucking cried my eyes out.
1: Yeah, it was a good scene. I was fucked
2: up in that it was, scene. It was a good scene. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably... I mean, I mean, Matthew McConaughey was great in Dallas Fires Club, but I think this might be my favorite Matthew McConaughey performance.
0: I think that he... I think that he carried this movie like no one else could. And I was surprised to see people that were picking on his performance. Yeah, no.
2: I was not one of those people. I thought he did a great job. I thought he was great in this film. Um... And kind of with a most violent year, and next summer with Jurassic World, I'm really beginning to fall in love with Jessica Chastain. Yeah, um, she's so So oh I'm all about good. her right now. Oh, is um, it? She
0: in Jurassic World? Yeah. Is that not Bryce
2: Dallas Howard? Oh, maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> is it?
0: I think it's Bryce Dallas Howard. Son of a bitch. The one in the trailer.
2: Really? Jessica uh, Chastain's yeah. not in the trailer. Okay, okay. Well, then that's not her. I yeah. take that back. But still, these two. What we're two, finding two, is you like two a of the films. Top. Yeah, two <laughs> of the films in my top ten have Jessica Chastain. Yeah. That's all she's, I know beautiful wow she looks like it. Bryce dallas howard yeah okay regardless interstellar loved it um my brain hurt a little bit trying to figure things out mm-hmm. and watching some docs afterwards talking about the science of the film mean um, old mr nolan making steve's brain yeah hurt. god damn you mr <laughs> nolan but yeah interstellar was oh man thank you guys for telling me to see it because oh, I, yeah. I had thought about not going because i heard a lot of mixed things mm-hmm. and i'm glad that it still ended up on my list because uh this kind of movies, I just, I just love. Yeah, I love it. And right. It's like I, I knew when watching, it, like, I love this type of thing where
0: they take a big idea and they just dive into it, and yeah. that that level of scope, that level of serious. As much as I think that it's a problem in a way, with, with I think Christopher Nolan's filmography is going to be one of those that's kind of. You know, like it's not the liveliest, most fun and funny batch of movies. Not everyone has to make funny films, but right, I mean, his right, movies right. have a weirdly serious vibe to them. But no one else is going to be that serious and take that that kind of care. And, sure. and yeah, there's something about it that you really are seeing something that. You now I wish I'd seen it on IMAX. I mean, that was the rare movie that I I tried to squeeze in a showing at the largest theater I could. I fe- you know I still saw it on a big screen, and I wouldn't have traded that. But with all those problems, I, I wouldn't have traded that movie for another film, you know? Like, I, I, I want to see more movies that do that, that try to blow your mind.
2: I found a quote that I wanted, I kept for this, uh, for mentioning Interstellar real quick. It was a review that was, you know, I think it was like a B-plus review mm-hmm. from the journalist that wrote it, but this is the line that just completely sums up. I think it's a talking in relation to some other independent films coming out, how cinema needs, like, I think he, he's talking about Birdman mm-hmm. in context, so he, the quote is, Cinema needs the hip jazz trios, sure. But it needs the arena rock band shredding a flaming guitar on top of a monster truck just as much. Mm-hmm. Which is what Interstellar was to, was to me. Yeah. That's it. That's exactly how I felt about Interstellar. So... Cool. Yeah, I'm glad it made my list, and thank you guys for encouraging me to see it. And
0: here's proof that we did the math right, because I now have one more. Okay, you have good. One more, and you have one more, right? Mm-hmm. This is all of our number six. I'm C? done. Actually. We're on track. Because oh, I already said my number six okay, with you. you okay. Yeah. So yeah, um, this is one that I have a feeling might be uh, talked about, but I don't know. This okay. is this is sort of a crowd pleaser, but we've definitely covered this one, and I'll just throw it out there. It's had a name change, but I'm going to call <laughs> it its original name, Edge of Tomorrow, directed by Doug Lyman. This was just one of the big glossy fancy entertainments that really worked for me this year and it made me it made me feel good about original ideas non-sequels non-non-franchises but still in that vein like this this hits all the beats of one of those big summer movies but it was a it was a fresh story and it was a fresh character and as we've mentioned it's it was uh you know i guess one of our one of our uh, uh, i would say not one of our what do you call a mascot someone we're a cheerleader for yeah uh tom crubes uh turning in like a great performance so i feel
2: like i should just tag you on this because it's my number five so i'm gonna jump out of line a little bit but since we're so close yeah and just uh yeah we talked too much about this movie but Mm -hmm. not enough in the same (laughs) in the same token um just something that really stood out to me about it was the 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 pacing of an action movie Mm -hmm. that could be really fucking confusing and i think it's edited fine so so well it's it's so well edited that it I feel like you can follow this movie easily like yeah. the groundhog's Day feel of what a lot of people didn't seem to be interested in i think it turned people off I think a lot of things turned people off in this movie for whatever reason it might be it's not a valid reason um because it is a, a genius original story mm-hmm. that works from yeah. front to back um and the great thing about it was in my opinion was that it came out in the summer where there was a lot of great films this summer but the original, yeah, film that came out this summer that was the takeaway was Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, everything out remakes, adaptations, whatever it might be, sequels, prequels. Um, but yeah, it's that movie, you know, that you, you we are we are the cheerleaders for that film, and we mm-hmm. have been. And uh, I, I had to put it right in the middle of my list because. Uh, yeah, it was a blast. It's it's one that I could imagine watching at a, almost
0: any time. Of all the Agreed. movies on my list, yeah. it might be the one. Well, Lego Movie, yeah, pretty strong. But like, it's a movie I, f- I could find myself throwing on or recommending to anyone. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so actually, I think actually we're about to have an interruption because we might take a break for a second. Okay, uh, to listen to some listener submissions. We we asked mm-hmm. as we always do for for people to call in their picks. And uh, I, at this point, we're recording this. I don't know how many we're going to receive, so I don't know how if this is going to be a long segment or a short segment. <laughs> but uh, we'll be back with Ronald's top six, and now mine and top five. Steve's yeah. top fives.
2: Hey, movie movie, this is Andrew Utenic, and I have two movies for my favorites of 2014. I have um, Interstellar for being a very Kubrick-esque, 2001-esque, thought-provoking, semi-realistic sci-fi movie. I loved it. It was fantastic. And it was nice to see Matthew McConaughey keep his shirt on. the other one was The Imitation Game for just being really well-acted and a really, really interesting part of history. Benedict Cumberbatch
0: deserves
3: an Oscar for that one. Uh, Happy New Year. Yeah, hi, this is Tyler uh, calling from Westminster, Maryland. Um, I just wanna say my favorite movie this year had to been a Lego movie. Uh it it's just brought back uh, it was very nostalgic.
2: Uh of my younger years playing with with the Legos. Um I thought uh the, the voice act uh casting was, was great. Uh uh and yeah, I liked it a
1: lot. It was my favorite. Um thanks. Bye. It was Matthew Scales
0: and my favorite twenty fourteen movie would have to be Guardians of the Galaxy. It was just something that I didn't really expect to like, but came out of
2: theater like, wow, that was actually really, really good. Uh, And I've watched it maybe five times since. I normally don't watch a movie ever again.
3: Okay, Allie Volka here from Alabama. I guess my favorite movie of 2014 was Babadook. Firstly, because I adore horror movies, thrillers, anything that is suspenseful. And secondly... It was filmed very well, and I love the story. And it kept me on my uh, on the edge of my feet, so to speak. I love any stories having to do with boogeymen, uh, you know, things coming to life if you call their name. Anyways, that's my favorite movie of 2014. Movie schmovie.
2: This is Walter Simon, and I'm going to tell you what I think is the best movie that I saw of 2014. I'm going to pick.
3: Under the skin, starring everybody's favorite person to stare at, uh the reason I chose it is because, well, I just am so sick of the usual Hollywood trope, and uh under the skin
2: has this nice, unexpected, eerie tone creeps me out, and um that takes a lot, I guess, anyway, under the skin, thumbs up, thank you very much. Have a wonderful day.
1: Top film 2014 is going to be Annie. It's a classic. It's a great film. Annie's always
3: been portrayed as a uh, redhead white girl. It's the biggest deal. You know, everyone loves Annie. Everyone loves Annie. But, hey, let's make her and some of the other characters, african American. Good job, America. I think that's a good job. Top film 2014. They have it from Justin Gladden.
1: My vote would be the Grand Budapest Hotel, because who doesn't love a great keeper flick? And I think that was probably the best one that we've seen in years. By the way, hi, guys. It's me.
3: Sorry I'm really late. I'm sure I missed the deadline on that. This was, as I said to John,
0: my Ronald James year. I am completely unprepared to discuss all of these movies. So I uh, hope you guys are doing well and look forward to listening to the episode. Bye.
2: Hello, everyone. This is uh, Gary Lucy of Tarzana, California. And the best movie of the year, isn't it Obvious Child? The Obvious Child. Oh, my gosh. It was by a wide margin. There were some all time great movies this year, but that was just fantastic. Jenny Slate is a dynamo, uh deals with a controversial subject in a very uh even handed way. And it's it's the uh it's it could be the first and only movie that really gets um stand up comedy right. And I would include in there plenty of famous stand up uh comedy concert films. And it's also good to see uh Polly Draper back on the screen. where are my 37 fans at?
3: All right. Love the show. See ya. Hello there, Wendy Montalegre again.
2: Sorry I'm clogging up the line. <laughs> um, I called yesterday. Um and uh I uh I really enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy and Bob Duke this year, but um I would like to add to that list of, of top flicks. Uh, I loved Whiplash. I saw it last night. It was just freaking great. Loved it. It was just exhilarating. Loved it, loved it. Um, just I had to, uh, to,
3: to add that as well. Thanks a lot. Bye. Uh, this is Chris Lawson. I'm calling from New Orleans. My favorite film of
2: the year, I guess, because it's the one I've already been to the theater to see three times, is Birdman, because it's wildly innovative and has a drum score, and the characters uh, could easily be confused with the actors who play them. And it's kind of about the theater and the integrity of the theater versus the questionable integrity of Hollywood. But also give a close second shout out to Babadook. This is Australian horror film that harkens back to classic horror films like The Shining and The Exorcist and the lead actress's performance uh, would rival, you know, the performances in those films also. So I have a lot of other ones too. That Russian film Leviathan is really good. But...
3: Just especially one, so I guess I would say, uh, Birdman. Yep. My move, my favorite movie this year was Ride Along, because I think Kevin Hart is just hysterical, and I thought it was so well played out. It was just really funny and entertaining to watch. Hey, Movie smoothie, It's me, Jamel Davidson. My pick for 2014 is based on a movie that I'm sure I will watch over and over for years to come. That movie is The Interview. I really enjoyed that movie, and I love it whenever Seth and
0: James are together on screen. I love This is the End. I've seen it like 27 times. I'll probably watch this one just as many times. Um, It's a movie that actually made an impact on me. Not to mention, you know, all of the history it's going to carry with it. I'm just glad that it was a movie that I actually enjoyed. 2014, my movie pick, The Interview. All right? Keep at it. Stay frosty.
2: I am still catching up on my movies from 2014, if you can believe it. But from what I've seen so far, my favorite was Gone Girl. Um, I was a big fan of the book. I read it in, like, less than a week. And I felt like the movie did a really good job of sticking to the book and not deviating from too many of the really important details i thought the casting was really good for all the characters pretty much so yeah i really liked it um i thought they did a great job and that was my favorite movie so far for 2014
0: bye all right now we're back from either a lot or not a lot of call-ins by the way
2: they were great I think they yeah. were all great. They were great. That. I know
0: of one. And I'm person, assuming
2: they were more than one. But <laughs> there's,
0: there's at least seven. Ooh. But one was somebody calling back to change their mind. But I, might
1: have, I, <laughs> oh, I think I will have
0: included you
2: should both.
1: Put yeah. both. That yeah. sounds amazing. So Ronald. <laughs> number six. Number, six. number six. Kick my, us off. My number six is top five. Uh, saw it twice. Ironically. The... Yeah. I didn't make the cut. Just just missed, missed it. Yeah. Just missed it. One of the funnier movies that I saw this year. Uh, Good script funny cast um cool story uh, I love cool story. Chris Rock, Chris Rock and uh Rosario Dawson I thought they had good screen chemistry I mean who cannot love, love. love Rosario <laughs> Dawson and her
3: I
2: love the side her. of
1: her head shaved and her beautiful face she's so funny. It's a good movie. I liked it.
2: Yeah, I was surprised how much I liked that. Damn film. Man. Yeah, we saw it together. It was... Yeah. Did Aaron like it? Yeah, she yeah, liked it, it a
1: lot. It and today. then I saw it again Did Aaron with my like cousin.
2: It? My Aaron was not
1: there oh. that evening. Oh. Yeah.
2: No, I I really want to
0: see that, but everyone seemed to say that that like oh, I mean so I don't, good. which makes me think I don't think people were really expecting it to be legitimately funny in that kind of right. comedy like strong comedy way. Um, but
2: there's an awareness to it that I think right, is what worked, yeah. and it has—I don't know—like a lot of people were saying this, and I didn't feel it at first, but I saw it a second time, and it—it it is like a—it is—it is similar to a Woody Allen movie, yeah, you know? really like similar, the, like the tone of the movie and the yeah. tempo of it and just the dialogue. But um, but yeah, I was a fan. It's was, it was a yeah. good flick. I got to say, it, it really surprised me. So we're gonna come back to you now, right? Right. With with now we're, we're back in into the, the cream of the crop. We're getting into the
0: cream of the crop. Oh. Okay. We're talking about. Cream rise. Number five, number four, number three, number two. Five, five, five.
3: Number one.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I will start with my number five, which is, um, you know, I mentioned when when I was talking about Nightcrawler, I was talking about a particular kind of character that I feel like I haven't seen before. Mm. And I would say that about Amy Dunn in Gone Girl, which is my number five, both for the movie and the character and just the way that it felt like it was a a piece uh, of art that just kind of had a moment there's a lot of that kind of there's blood in the water type journalism you know and this mm. move the way that gone girl depicted both this very personal story about this marriage that was really i mean again talk about a, a what i said before about movies that that try to comment on marriage and just talk about how awful uh, <laughs> togetherness is mm. gone girl is the the most cynical film about marriage po- possibly that i've ever seen but the way that it treats it as like a thriller and then adds that extra layer of, of seeing how the world reacts to this story. It's not a, as often happens in a thriller, it's a very private story between a few characters and it's happening in dark houses at night, you know, but this is something that, you know, happens and then the media is involved and everyone knows about it and and you really, even though you you could avoid being in the situation that these characters are in, so you're not like afraid that you'll find yourself in this situation, Yeah, it, it you know, what happens to the... Ben affleck character in this um nick dunn is his name i believe um what happens to nick dunn in this film is there's a moment or two where he's just stuck and it's not because of something he did necessarily but because of how he left himself open to the to the manipulations of someone who clearly had outsmarted him at that point it was such a delightfully nasty piece of work and i remember thinking that about nightcrawler 2 when i was including on my list is just these movies have a certain nastiness to them that they seem to be taking a certain amount of pleasure in showing you just how far these awful people will go and you know outside of that as we discussed before Tyler Perry in an actual performance really good Um, Kim Dickens great as always uh, david fincher's direction i mean maybe he's a director who you can say works in a certain style and maybe th- the great acting and the great directing kind of elevated this pulpy material into something different mm-hmm. but if that's what happened that's exactly what happened they, they they made it into something more more important than just another twisty tale it feels like it really gets at something kind of ugly nick dunn is living in a bubble and he's oblivious to like the the sort of monster that they have created together in the terms of what their relationship is, mm. and I would actually be interested. There's rumors now that they would come back to see what happened to those characters a few years down the road. Yeah, with the that. same cast and everything. And I'm I I would actually be interested to see what like because you do wonder how long at the end of the film Amy Dunn is going to maintain the facade. Yeah, so I'd watch that. Go go go
1: go girl! It's my turn. Five. Mine was a movie. Uh, a movie. Which... Run to something. Which <sighs> did you just die?
2: <laughs> we lost him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's laughing. So many amazing actors and actresses in this movie, um, and and you can't
0: re- think of any of them though.
1: No, and reassuring me, the thoughts that I had about Michael Keaton, I'd always had. That he was a solid actor. And when put in the right sort of setting and a, and a place to kind of emit this amazing energy that he could be at the top of his game. And that, that movie's Birdman. Not only was the movie beautiful. Not only was the movie art. Not only was the soundtrack amazing. These things woven together in a way that could have been terrible. It could have honestly been horrible and muted. One one element would mute another. Mm-hmm. Somehow, this beautiful balance of all this thing of this this actor who's kind of reinventing himself and finding himself and <clears throat> a- analyzing every moment as he gets older. So it's like a, a movie about aging, and in addition to an artist that's aging and and what he means and what his family means to him. Seeing this him dissect this stuff in front of our very eyes birdman is a is a is a masterpiece i d- I don't say that very much about too many movies this movie was art it's it's what excites me about movies it's the fact that you can take a script about you know something that could be something very it could have been a shitty version of this somewhere but this was not it this was the best version of this sort of movie that you could make. It's, yeah.
0: I I I didn't expect it to connect emotionally as much as it did. Yeah. From what I'd heard. Because when I heard about the formal aspect of it, the way that it's made to look like one shot, Mm -hmm. I thought that sounded like it could be kind of an emotionally distancing thing. And I do think it's odd to have such an emotional storyline put against such a technical achievement. You know what I mean? Like, it is odd in a way. Like, there is a little bit of friction there. But I found myself wondering, like, with this movie... You know, normally in a movie, if you're editing and you go, well, this scene's not working, maybe we can move this here, maybe we can put this here, maybe we can cut this out. You couldn't really do that with this movie. Right. Because every scene led to the next, led to the next. I mean, I'm sure you could move that around a little bit, but I found myself really thinking about that, like, wow, they were really committed. Like, this movie is an achievement, technically, but they had to really commit to what they had. Like, if a scene wasn't working, maybe, I guess they maybe would rewrite, reshoot, or something like that. Because there's no way you can edit a scene out. You can't have a person... Leaving the room and follow them down the stairs, and then cut to another character. You know, it has to flow. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really interesting. What did you think of the sort of vagueness of the of the ending? Did you did, did How did you take that?
1: Yeah, it was one of the things that I love and hate about
0: the movies. very end. You know, like the, the the look on her face at the very end seems yeah. to suggest something that the rest of the movie seems to not be really suggesting like throughout the movie he keeps having these flashes where it seems like there's some kind of power that he's got but then you see in the real world what he's really doing he's not flying to the theater he's taking a cab but at the very end when it appears you know I don't don't know spoiler alert if you haven't seen Birdman whatever man man. um, if he he jumps out the window and then his daughter looks up and smiles it suggests that he's actually flying
1: or he could have died but why would his daughter
0: look out and smile if uh, up like look down and then look up and then smile if uh, if he isn't flying. But I mean, that, that's dead. the only indication. But how could she be... I mean, she, she's not going to smile that he's dead.
1: I think I think that it could... I don't want to... That's weird. Us. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's weird, very weird. So. Every
0: other time in the movie, they, they are careful to make you see that it's a hallucination. That whatever you're seeing is a hallucination. But they're taking pains to You know what I mean? Like, they, they show you the cab saying, hey... Where's the money? Yeah. After we've seen him supposedly fly. But in that moment, it was like, I just thought that was interesting that they played with that idea. Maybe the end kind of suggests that you do need the, as you were saying, Steve, that you kind of do need the the big blockbuster fantasies as well as the kind of gritty real thing. But yeah. I couldn't tell whether the play was supposed to actually be good or not. That was that was the other thing. <laughs> yeah, was, I couldn't tell. I you. couldn't <laughs> tell if we were supposed to see it as like a cheesy, overwrought play or if we were supposed to see it as like right. a great thing. But the scene between him and the critic was really brutal Ed Norton was great. Yeah, he's so good. I mean, he, really great. Like Really great. No, very very interesting film.
2: Yeah. So what well, do I do for my five? Because I already, I think I had my five. I tag teamed you with Edge of Tomorrow. So do you just come back to you and go to four? Or you can say something else about Edge of Tomorrow. Just Holy drum shit. up something Nah, else. I mean, I kind of already said everything. I already say how say pretty everything. Emily Blunt is. I mean, she's gorgeous, but we all know that already. Yeah. And if you don't, you don't listen to this podcast because we've talked about Edge of Tomorrow like seven times. <laughs> uh so just go go ahead okay. keep going john i will number go four. to
0: my uh my number four uh, you know i mentioned how uh, wait wait
2: let me cut you off real quick so okay. this is getting into some like i'm sure there might be some overlap here yeah so if, if it overlaps well, so we, at this point in the top five are we just kind of biting our tongues and then gonna still take i, our, I would I say so. bite your
0: tongue Fact. i would say join in to the extent that you could join in but just, not but don't, but, don't yeah. declare it as yeah, a it right. okay yeah. cool cool Go ahead. good ahead. Yeah, sorry sure. john Someone out there cares about the suspense element. I yeah. want to keep yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you want yeah, to keep yeah, yeah. them on the edge of their seat. Yeah. Um, my number four. You know, I would say that uh, two Andersons enter, only one Anderson leaves. Okay. And in this case, the champion is Wes Anderson, whose film Gra- Grand Budapest Hotel was not a a disappointing Anderson film. It was a. Um, I mean, it, you know, it, if you look at those favorites, and you're always kind of a little bit like with with PT Anderson. Ooh, someone upstairs dropped something. Uh, If you look at P.T. Anderson and Inherent Vice as an example where you might be clear in that spot because you're used to this person's films blowing you away, but you're also open to the notion that a favorite could just kind of have an off night or an off year, just not, not their best work. With Wes Anderson, because he's come up so often in our kind of fanboy hipster backlash type discussions, I especially it's like I didn't want this movie on my list. I wanted Steve, I wanted Steve to be proud of me, even more proud of me. Imagine if I'd managed to eliminate all Anderson content from my top ten. But I kept coming back to the fact that I think this is a beautiful film that actually does a very beautiful thing in a very beautiful way. Mm. And the fact that it is Wes Anderson at his most Wes Anderson niest. Yeah. It does not to me it begins to suggest where does he go from here but this movie is the ultimate cinematic argument for in an ugly world the need for beautiful constructed dollhouse realities that you can disappear into and you can maintain and him saying i will be the attendant of these little cake realities you know these little confections to me it was just really inspiring and on top of that it's got the most like emotional violence and real violence and sex and it's it's the ugliest film he's made Mm. and i also am a big ray fine fan so in a lot of ways it was just a, a a coalescing of a lot of these elements but a movie that to to what we were saying before about edge of tomorrow i could see myself watching this movie the way that i once watched royal tenenbaums and rushmore and Bottle Rocket, which is definitely in the I watch a movie a hundred times. I'm going to throw it on any time. You know, I could see this movie being in that, in that list. So it's 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 a great entry from a director that I really admire. Kind of w- doing a very strange thing, working against the the people that hate him because they ain't him <laughs> um, <laughs> by by leaning into that by saying. Yeah, this is the kind of story that I make, and this—if you don't like my reality within a reality within a reality—well, guess what? There's a flashback and a flashback and a flashback in this. You know, it's—it's—it's yeah. it's, uh, it's really fun to watch. It's a really beautiful film, full of great performances. Him doing what he does and knocking it out of the park, in my opinion. So, mm. Grand Budapest—they say P- Budapest in the film, but I think in the real world we're supposed to say Budapest. Really? Yeah. So I always say Budapest, but other people say Budapest, and it's one of those things where you think saying it right makes you sound like an asshole, you know? So... I am
1: Budapest.
0: Budapest yeah, it's fun to say it the right way, isn't it? Budapest. Yeah, I like, like it. Like someone who's been to the continent.
1: <laughs> um, My number four pick. Uh, I haven't seen a movie in a while where I isolate two people. I mean, sure, I see you You see one movie where it's like a standout person... I've never seen a movie where I see two opposing forces going at each other the way that I saw this. And and uh J.K. Simmons and Miles Teller. Um first and foremost, I had no confidence in Miles Teller, period, for quite some time. And I saw this trailer, I was like, oh man, I
0: You never saw a spectacular now.
1: I like that, but it was this was different. <laughs> oh, this oh, was dear. like because
2: uh, I you're talking about whiplash by the way whiplash right? yeah okay.
1: seeing somebody being pushed to the limit and seeing it in a way that felt so real and 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 so exhausting and he was such a tortured guy and seeing jk simmons treat him as such and 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 not only was he like you know you see forces on screen that are like small people he's not that he's bald yeah he has a he his arms are out He's a scary force for a teacher. If you had a teacher like that shitting on your life, hurling things at your face, slapping you in the face, getting you to the point where you're like, you know, you're reduced to this drive to please this person. I don't think I've ever seen anything that really captured that sort of teacher-student relationship quite like that. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was it was it was an amazing thing to watch, um, and he fought and seeing a person fight so hard, I love the movie, man. Um, it was beautiful. The soundtrack, you know, jazzy sort of soundtrack. Jazz gets a bad rap. Um, and rap gets a bad jazz. And rap gets a bad <laughs> That's jazz. Sometimes rap samples jazz. That's true. And this was a great movie. I I I recommend it to anybody. See this fucking movie. I've never I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it.
2: I'd agree. It's actually my number four also.
1: Really? Yeah. So I'll just I'll just throw
2: a high yeah. Five. Ah. Uh, <laughs> it's it's the joy of like I, I, I'm I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to these expectations for films, but it's a movie that I knew very little about. Mm. I was aware of. Saw it really early yeah. for our market. And um was blown away by it, much like Ronald was. I, I felt like for its pacing for the editing of the film, for how long it it's just you know, a two hour drama. Yeah. But it moves like the music at the core of this film, yeah. you know, in terms of its pacing. Um the the uh just the face off between Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons pushing each other to their worst and their best um is just a joy to watch. J.K. Yeah. Simmons is somebody everybody knows. You've seen him in something or another, but, um, this was the role of his life so far. I mean, like he is insane. He has (laughs) to win like the Oscar for this, you know, he should win the Oscar for this film. You'd assume, um, he's incredible. Miles Teller's great. Um, the, the thing, the last 20 minutes of the movie probably was some of the most exhilarating film I saw this year, you know, the, the, the last performance in this film, um, You're just kind of on the edge of your seat with it. Even though it's not really a thriller, it kind of plays as such in those last 10, 15 minutes. And, uh, yeah, just an awesome movie. Rewatchable movie. Um, Yeah, just Whiplash was great. Absolutely.
0: Whiplash. My number three. uh, Now we're getting into the Unassailable three. These top three, they became the the top three, and it became obvious what order they should be in. Holy cheat. This is the thing. And I... I will just—I guess I'll preface this by just saying that you guys have to know that since August first, two thousand fourteen, I have been living with Star Lord, mm-hmm. and I don't just mean that my son likes Star Lord. I mean he has—he has become Star Lord. He was like, "Dad, I, I want you to be Thanos," and I was like, "Okay." And and then he came up to me a little bit later and he handed me this note. And this will actually be—we've talked enough about Guardians of the Galaxy on this podcast that we don't have to belabor it too much. But this movie's magic, and this note sums up. Why it's magic? Because I got this note. This th- this is why I love Guardians of the Galaxy. Because I got this note. Hey Thanos, you're a turd. <laughs> you're never gonna find us. I hate you, Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> now that I own it, you know I've watched it. It's a it's a throw it on movie for sure. Yeah, Fo- super show. fun and and it always starts fun little conversations. And I still love getting into the the world of the movie. And even though the soundtrack, you know, there's a lot of people that would argue that the songs are sort of overplayed. And that obviously Peter Quill's mom uh, did not dig much deeper than the top forty when she made a mixtape, but I, even that part of it, the way that it connects, there's something like there's something so fun about you know for Henry about putting on headphones and listening to the songs and getting into that. Vibe. I mean, again, it's not just those songs, that character, but introducing the notion of I'm a guy out on a out on my own mission and I've got my tunes and i'm going to rock out to my tunes while i'm doing my shit. It's like there's attitude. Yeah. And it's so funny and great and a little scary to see a 6-year-old so quickly and easily adopt that attitude. That you might even just call it tude. You know, it's not a great thing, but it's also sort of awesome and hilarious. Yeah. And i think what that movie does that's so special is it does kind of package I mean, we have talked about it a lot, feeling like a kid again, but yeah. seeing a kid go through right. it, it's like that's what it really is about. And it makes you realize what a great gamble it was giving James Gunn a franchise like this yeah. and yeah. and how he hit it out of the park and how we all were like, oh, please. You know, we thought, felt good about Joss Whedon for Avengers, but something about James Gunn, he was one of my guys. Like, I just always thought his movies were so interesting and I never in a million years would have dreamt that he would have become like... A guy who probably right now, at least, he's in, a, he's in an era where he can kind of do what he wants, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I, I, you know, I'm like any, any kid, I'm looking forward to the next one. But if this was all that it was, much like the first Star Wars movie, much like a lot of great, you know, much like Edge of Tomorrow. If this was all that it was and it weren't connected to all this other Marvel shit and it weren't guaranteed to spawn, you know, sequels and spinoffs. It's a fantastic time at the movies. Yeah. And I just don't think you can, it seems like that's something you can bottle. And there were a lot of movies this year that, that touched on that. You know, Captain America Winter Soldier, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, you know, X-Men Days of Future Past. There's a lot of movies that do that big thing in a very entertaining way that's still good. And then there's something else that happens when it's truly special. And Guardians of the Galaxy really felt like, I don't know, it's it's going to be a movie that I know I will I will be watching probably 20 years from now. And yeah. maybe the effects will seem dated, and maybe you'll have the baggage of oh, whatever the sequels are going to be attached to it. But I want to remember this moment... That feeling I had walking out of the theater with, you know, with baby dancing Groot fresh in my mind. Just thinking I had just seen something fucking awesome and special. So Guardians of the Galaxy, you will always be my number three.
1: That's actually my number two. (laughs) I was going to say Christmas, um, I went to uh, my mom's house with my girlfriend. My mom meets my girlfriend for the first time. My sister and I get each other really personal gifts that relate to the things that we love i'm like opening up the package and it looks like a blu-ray shape i'm mm-hmm. like okay it's a blu-ray mm-hmm. but it was a special edition best buy that had star lord's tape deck oh that's oh i saw um, that online that's awesome which like, i mean like it shook me up man i was just like yeah. ah, this is what i want this mm-hmm. the fact that i got excited about a blu-ray and i don't get excited about fucking blu-rays yeah you know.
0: I was excited to have this one in the house. Yeah. Like I bought it for Henry when it came out, which was December ninth, and yeah. it was a Christmas gift. And it was killing me knowing I had Guardians yeah, of the Galaxy just... in the house, and I wasn't watching it. You know, yeah, but
1: great movie. So oh, I number have to three? Say my, number, my number three. Okay, so my number three. Um, I think that I haven't seen very many movies in my life that really have depict women in three dimensions, that really show women as full fully realized characters if they if they're a lot of the times man it's it's kind of frustrating mm-hmm. and i've I've realized it more and more as I get older how how like there's this shallow sort of look at women sometimes in movies it's like beautiful in a corner glasses on you know what I mean has a love interest blah 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 and and that gets a little weird obvious child uh, I
0: knew that's what you were gonna say I gotta see this one
1: obvious child. I saw three times in the movies for a bunch of reasons. I love funny women. I love women comedians that happen to be really funny. And I also like depictions of people in, in a real setting, real stuff. Mm-hmm. Somebody facing abortion, while wow, that doesn't sound like a funny idea. Somehow they managed to make that a funny thing. Her dealing with it, not the abortion Dealing with the pressures and all the things that you have to face right. when that happens. Because you can't... As a male, you can't take on that responsibility. You can't imagine how heavy that would be Yeah, to to say, oh, man, I have this decision to make. But they capture the lightness and the heaviness of, of how I would imagine. I mean, I don't know how it would be to even have that thing to balance. Well, at- it's
0: also like it's a... I mean, I, I don't know, maybe it's, it's changed in recent years with shows like Girls, and mm-hmm. you know, there have been more of these kind of like female voices, like directing yeah, films and things. Absolutely. But it's still sort of rare to see someone take a subject like that and treat it comedically at all. You know, even, for instance, in Knocked Up, which at the time seemed like it was addressing certain things movies didn't usually address like abortion is, is thrown off as, as a laugh yeah. in that film and it, they don't even say the word and so it's such a weird thing to not reckon with it you know and so yeah that, that's the thing that sounded kind of revolutionary about Obvious yeah, Child to me a... having not seen it but it keeps coming up I, it sounds more and more like something I need to see I also think she's hilarious so
2: yeah that would that would that's on my 10 to 15 or not, oh, 11 to okay, 15 catch. yeah gotcha. Obvious Child was great it's great great mm-hmm. Uh, my number three is speaking about women in film number my number three is uh john talked about it a little earlier it's david fincher's gone girl okay um talking about amy dunn not to rehash a lot of what john already said but it was a it was a joy to watch that character um it's kind of like the just the, the the like the most devastating sick intelligent or brilliant rather uh female character one of the female characters like that that i really have ever seen on film mm-hmm. i mean like I, I didn't read the book going into the movie so i didn't really know much about it um and risky too but like... very yeah absolutely and uh i think it pays off i think i mean uh, what i wish i had a, a great little quip like ronald always like what hasn't been said about david fincher that hasn't been said
1: about <laughs> Tupac Shakur. <laughs> Tupac Shakur. Exactly. That's right where I was going. Thank you. Um,
2: but there's a craft to his filmmaking that just elevates material. Mm, and yeah. I've heard that from people that have seen the film, that have read the book, and, and I can only buy that 100%. Mm-hmm. The editing, the cinematography, everything about this film works so well. The casting, um, I don't know that there would probably be any, would have been a better actor to play Nick Dunn than Ben Affleck. From even reading more about the book and, and that character... Um, you see that about every character. He carries. <laughs> yeah, it is Ben. Um, he carries. You said that about Yoda. He <laughs> carries that kind of, like Nick Dunn A lot of what Nick Dunn is in this film, I feel like people see Ben Affleck as in 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 life. You know, in celebrity world, he's gone through those ups and downs, and he's kind of been that that that's, that kind of smile he has in the film during the press conference. Like, I read an interview where David Fincher's like, "I've seen Ben Affleck have that look before." before I even talked to him about this film and that's how I knew he was perfect for this film. Oh. You know, I I've seen him in press things where he looks like that. Like that's the look I need and and in this movie like it just it, it is it just hits a nail on the head for me. Um this yeah, I mean, I think uh all of the casting down to Neil Patrick Harris, Tyler Perry, um I forget the girl's name who plays Nick's sister. She's on the leftovers. Carrie um, Coons? Yeah, yeah. Uh no, that's that's the detective, I think.
0: No, Kim Dickens.
2: Okay, then you're right then. Uh, just, just a really great cast. And, I mean, I love David Fincher, so, I mean, this is something that I knew I was going to love going into it. Mm-hmm. But, um... Well, it was Ben and, and Finch. Ben and Finch. I mean, you just put them together and you're just like, <laughs> why are you even worrying about mm-hmm, where man. it's going to place in your top five? But, um... It's it. Yeah. I feel like I, I took a note when I left the theaters. Like I don't know that I should feel bad about smiling this much leaving this movie. Yeah. You know, like you feel bad that you're smiling about an experience like that where it's like the worst relationship. It's like relationship that has curdled and been <laughs> left on the shelf yeah. and somebody's still trying to drink it. It's just it was a great experience. Um. And uh, yeah, loved it. Gone Girl. Good film. Good, Good film.
0: film. A really smart guy might have put it on at number five, but I don't know. Steve's different. I mean, we all got um, uh My number two is a film that, um, you know, one of those that snuck in right towards the end. But if I were going to judge a film based on tears, that like dehydration at the end of the film... Mm-hmm. Like, shaking during the film. Mm. Thinking I was done being emotionally affected by a film, and then it hitting me again. Um, and it's a director that I haven't seen any previous work by, and I think it is very noteworthy that it is a... And I believe this director is the first black woman to be nominated for a Golden Globe mm. for Best Director. I'm talking about Ava DuVernay and her film Selma, which... Oh, Jesus.
1: Yeah, man. Christ. How many times can you cry in one <laughs> I mean...
0: I, I, I i was able to step back and see the ways in which the movie does pull a few of those a few a few tiny little uh, manipulative hollywood tricks as far as really hitting you emotionally but what is it's one of those cases where the events being depicted on screen you need a no where'd battery. my phone go oh, you just hearing it <laughs> i hear buzzing. it's under your um, foot is it really yeah. I was right in the middle of an emotional soliloquy about Selma and Steve's over yeah, there sorry. dicking around with his gear. I was
2: looking around. I was quiet. You asked. <laughs> right. But I wanted to help. You're I'm so a helper.
0: Um, but, but Selma just, I mean, it grabs you and doesn't let go. The subject matter is very compelling, and you can easily picture the cheesy version of this movie. There but I go. feel like I even saw in the trailer something different. It didn't look like the cheesy version of this movie. It looked yeah. the way it was shot, the, the, just the choice of the, the things depicted. Now, I, I've heard some criticism of some of the sort of cartoonish simplification kind of treatment of the characters, but I mean, you know, even as someone growing up in the South, and I've always been like a great advocate of the South and an apologist for the South, but I believe. That there were people that were that mean, I, I don't want to believe it, yeah, but yeah. I believe it. That there were people who have a little bit of power. A guy down at the the, you know, what is it? The voting registration office is like taking a little bit of pleasure in denying someone. And the way that the movie depicts the systematic way that it's not just that that blacks didn't have the vote. It was that they sort of officially could go down and register, but it, there was yeah. all these personal venal people that could keep them out and people that really don't want to see their way of life change and don't want to see the world that they see from their window change. Sure. I mean, we were texting about this the other day and I mean, hate like that really blows my mind.
3: Yeah.
0: You know, last year when we saw 12 Years a Slave, we were talking about just that believing that someone that is so clearly human is not human to the point where you can even break that person down and get them to accept th- that this system doesn't view them as human. Yeah. is horrifying. And then seeing that a hundred years later it wasn't i mean on the surface, maybe things were a little bit better, and in, in a lot of the tangibles things were better, but there was still that hatred, that ingrained feeling of like we don't like your kind around here and it was it was exhilarating to see them break through that in the film, yeah. And, I mean, you can't say enough about uh, David Auello. How do you say his name? I cannot pronounce David it. David Oyelowo. Right. I've heard it O-Y-L-O-O. a million times. Oh, yeah, O-Y-L-O-O. Wow. Oyelowo.
1: Yeah. But David you should have named yeah, yourself yeah. something but else. But David O. Tell your parents.
0: David O. is great. And I'd forgotten that he's not usually kind of round-faced and kind of chubby. I saw him, like, just a picture of him, and I was like, oh, yeah. Like, what a transformative performance to the point where you sort of believe that's him and the the movie doesn't treat him with kid gloves too much. It owns up to some of the scandals and it shows that stuff, but the way it deals with it, I mean, it's our favorite thing is when someone does that historical overview, but they don't try to take on too much. They take on like a few weeks or months in the life of this man and the people around him and the importance of this and the way they build up the the protest and why he why they might proceed on one day and not another day and all those decisions, you sort of forget that this demonstrations are not super spontaneous things they have to be organized they're organized for maximum impact but the fact that uh uh, king was like so determined not to have needless violence not to have needless blood spilled made i mean it sets him up for criticism by people that want to see a more violent revolution but in the in the framework of what's shown in this movie it's hard not to argue that it's a very beautiful philosophy
1: yeah it's, Um, it's pretty amazing
0: and it's amazing to see it depicted on screen in this very human way um, I mean it's like to name the things that, that hit you in the gut or make you cry from the first moments I was feeling like God, I'm just wrecked by this I was just I don't know if it caught me in a vulnerable time or if it's just that compelling of a film but I, yeah. I liked the way that it was done it wasn't mm-hmm. just the subject matter but it was <laughs> it was well acted and well made and you know Tom Wilkinson as as LBJ amazing in this and yeah. the way that I've heard some people criticize that the movie makes it seem like LBJ was not as progressive as he was, but I think the movie gives his character a nice arc, and you can see him rise to the occasion. And really, it's when he realizes, when he's sitting across the room from George Wallace, that he does not want to... He says, I don't want to be on the wrong side of history with you, Yeah, you know? That was a really pivotal moment, and I think that um, much like in Lincoln, the story was about how, in order to get this 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 past that we all now agree was a moral imperative, mm-hmm. but how it was really... There was political handshaking that had to be done. This movie showed you that to some extent, too, that even though even though you had a president in power who agreed this needed to happen, he wanted to put it on a different timetable. And uh, I loved seeing the way that Martin Luther King kind of forced the hand of the establishment in this film and left them no place to hide behind their hatred and their racism. Yeah. Very upsetting, very beautiful. Um, I don't know, in the end, a, a, a movie that I, I... For a movie that wrecked me like this, I could actually see watching this one again... Um, because it is a pleasure. I mean it's it's a it's a good movie.
1: Yeah. it's actually my number 1 movie of this year. Uh, 2014 was weird. Um a lot of really terrible things happened. Um and then th- this stuff happens and then the movie comes out all the verdicts and all the th- films of people being hurt Publicly and all that stuff. As so, far as a
0: moment for this movie to come out, yeah, it could not it could, have been more. It appropriate. couldn't have been any
1: more appropriate. Yeah. So it means a lot to me. It means a lot to me for a bunch of reasons. I uh I went to the Million Man March when I was a kid. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I I had these moments, um, that I realized my my parents were putting me in to give me perspective. So, um, I know that I know that what I have. What I am wouldn't be anything without all of this stuff. And I think that some, some people generationally have problems with seeing movies like this, like 12 Years a Slave, like Selma, like Malcolm X, or anything that depicts any period of history that was ugly. But I I welcome it because I think that people have to have some sort of idea of why things are the way that they are, the systemized racism and, and stuff like that. I remember when I was a kid, I read this account of a lady going to vote and uh she didn't get she didn't get beat up but they asked her to guess how many beans were in a jar to vote. You, you know, Like, what? Like It's just
0: fucking with somebody. It's fuck you know, that is... Like
1: and then and then when you guessed, even if you got it right, it was like we'll talk we'll we'll contact you in two weeks and let you know if you know what i mean and 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 that's not even to mention the violence the violence and all that stuff that happened um terrific yeah now it's
0: not that long ago i mean it's you know it's in the rear view to some extent but it's not that's that That's what's ago. so scary about yeah. this film is
2: that you see it's, the... it's, it's not long ago it's not like, long ago like like what we talked about last year with Lincoln and like how or 12 years well, I'm, yeah 12 years slave and Lincoln before it's like you you i don't know like you feel like a horrible even thinking this way, but you're like that was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. You know things are different now. Yeah. and right. then you watch a film like this, and you just realize like my my dad was alive during that. Yeah, my mom. And you're like whoa, like my perspective is completely reset only because, yeah. you know, it's just it just refocuses you on um, when we were talking over text message when we were all talking about having seen this film. It's like where the country has made a lot of improvements. You know, you almost wonder. Watching a movie like this, how we've even gotten that far? Yeah. When you see some of the shit that happens in this movie, and you were saying that before, and that's, yeah, like that, how, that's how does it. it
0: how does it ever work? That's it. That's
2: it. You when, know? when you've
0: got when you've got hateful people in power and people yeah. clutching and trying to maintain their, power, how has anything good ever cracked through? You know it, how, yeah. how has it ever been the case? And 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 the fact that yeah, you've got Eric Garner. You know you've yeah. got the situation in Ferguson. You've got you know all that. It's like. It's it's very fresh and and the violence rich. in this movie the scene the first protest where they get beaten down I mean maybe the the opening of Saving Private Ryan or something like that was or maybe something from Schindler's List was similarly like horrifically violent to me I was watching it shaking yeah thinking that, that this happened
3: yeah this yeah.
0: actually happened yeah and and maybe like you said Steve you know especially growing up in Alabama I didn't know the historical context at the time, but looking back and thinking, oh, some of those old folks that I knew, I mean, I was around a lot of <coughs> a lot of really good people, and particularly at my church that I grew up in, there were a lot of great people, people yeah. that I don't think would have been amongst those people. But I don't know. You know, a guy who was 60 or 70 when I was a kid yeah. was, probably had to overcome some shit if he was in the right mind, you know? And it's like, because oh, totally. I felt like I had to overcome some influence, you know? Yeah. And I think probably everyone can look back and see that kind of tribalism that, that all yeah. all sides of the equation are guilty of, but you can't say that all sides of the equation have been put through the ringer yeah. the yeah. way that blacks have been in America. Yeah. And it's, I think that that is, it's like this movie really puts a, such a fine point on it in, yeah. in, a, in a way that is very fresh and very real. And also I would say, you were at the Million Man March, you said. Yeah. It makes you realize that those protests, those demonstrations, they, they may seem like they don't mean anything, but they're... The symbolism of them is very important. Super Who's taking part? How many people are taking part? How pointless is it versus how point? How much? You know what I mean? Like yeah. the the more it seems like, well, what are they doing? Just m- marching from one place to another. But the notion of seeing that many people on the move, I mean, it makes you think about the whys of it and the wherefores of it. It's the reason people do that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah.
1: it's 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 a heavy. It's amazing. Thing. Yeah, it's a heavy thing. So, uh, with all that said, and uh,
0: that was your number one, but that was my, my number, number two. So, do you have a number um, two?
1: My number two was Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I was going to say something wrong. So you're
0: cashing in your chips with Selma, then?
1: Yeah. So Selma... Uh, oh, okay, okay. So, <laughs> one thing that's really, really interesting is that two of my favorite leaders, period, in in that during that time, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. Oh, all right. So, um, do you remember the scene where he had to... Go see uh, the father of the guy, yeah, and he's looking him in his eyes.
0: So Uh, that scene may have been—it's
1: the first time I'd ever seen any depiction of Martin Luther King, where you realize that like he was leading these people to to a better life, but also realizing that this was one of the worst things you could possibly ever do to a group of people at the same time putting them through this. You know what I mean? Like these are lost lives. He, they were on the field more than he was a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. They were they were fighting for these ideas. So, I really really pride myself in my ability to kind of take the information that I have cuz it's a lot. It's a lot the like a lack of accountability when it comes to racism, a lack of accountability in slavery and what what that's led to, the systemized racism. To take all that information and try to filter that into some sort of positivity is something I've tried to do my whole life. It's really important to me. Yeah. And um, I like him even more now. I always have. Yeah. But it's a crazy good movie. So... No, the, you're, you're like, right.
0: That scene with the dad in the hospital... Oh, that was too much. It's too I much. cried like a baby. Because that old man has been... Th- I mean, he, he. you know what I mean? Yeah. Old guys at that time have oh, yeah. seen... Whatever the shit was that everyone was seeing, they saw it worse. And to live through that, and to have a son, and to see him torn down like that, it was rough. It
1: was rough. That shot was shot down rough.
0: by cowards with guns, bullies.
1: Yeah. In, in a. In looking him in his face. Yeah. Rather well, than...
2: I think the realization of like you him believing in the vision and yeah. realizing when he's asking him what his age is. Yeah. And he's saying how old his son was, mm-hmm. and like the realization at that point that father has that the son will never. Yeah, man, he'll never see experience him. that vision cuz mm-hmm. even though he still believes in it, but that it, that f- destroyed me. Yeah. And,
0: yeah. and you're right, the weight of that on someone like on, like yeah. someone like King who had to turn that into something else, couldn't just stand there and wallow. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Definitely. It it was great movie, my favorite movie of the year.
2: Well, I guess I'll cash my chips in too because yeah. both of my films have already been mentioned. <laughs> so I'm going to just bang them out real quick mm-hmm. in the essence of getting Ronald to his stand up one time. My number 2 talked about it plenty on this podcast the most fun i've had at the movies in a long time made me feel like a kid again Mm -hmm. thank you james gunn thank you henry
0: hey thanos you're a turd you're never gonna find us
2: (laughs) uh thank you i mean star lord um (laughs) yeah i don't know man like i i don't know what else to say i don't want to just go on another rant but i just think it it was it was an unpredictable blockbuster that paid off in every which way it is my favorite marvel film um, I think it put – and this is like a – I don't know this is a bold statement or maybe you can agree with me. I think it puts like – it puts Joss Whedon on notice that the bar has been raised. Yeah, Like it has been raised. He took a property that most people did not know mm-hmm. and made it a lot of people's favorite Marvel film. Yeah. So you got to bring it with the Avengers Age of Ultron. You got to bring it. I know Ronald has no hope for it. But Mr. Gunn has yeah. raised the bar, so you need to step it up. Right.
0: Well, it's 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 proof that it's proof of so many things that you can do, and I have a feeling we may talk about it some more. But if we're putting it to bed with this, yes, it's just, it's it, the newness, the freshness. It really does make you realize. As I think we've said this very thing before, but it makes yeah. you realize what was missing from some of these other films that you were enjoying quite a bit. Yeah. But it was that sense of discovery of something.
2: No, yeah. oh, no, it's it's missing. it's it's infectious, and it's just like it's, um. There were flashes of it. I remember when I saw Avengers in the theater. I remember seeing it with Ronald, and like we had that giddiness at moments. Yeah. yeah. Um, but man, start to finish, Guardians of the Galaxy, a giddy fucking kid watching that movie. Yeah, man. I was, I've and I've it. watched it like four times since then. Once this week, just to remind myself why it's so awesome, <laughs> and it is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna rant about it too much because it, it's it, it's it's it's. It's, it's, it's the bomb. bomb.
1: <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm, can I cash this? Yes, chip? go ahead. I'm going to just say my number one was also Selma. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And that's not like it's when we started I'm like, I'm not touching on these movies that are important or anything. Yeah. This movie touched me. Like yeah, yeah, man. I don't, I don't pretend to know everything or to know enough to put me above someone else ever in my life. Just like you were saying how you kind of live your life. I don't want to assume anything. I don't. I don't pretend. And it, it, you know, if I'm not knowledgeable in something, I'm not going to act like I know what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. I did not know much about the Selma March at all. It, it's not like the most. It's not the thing that everybody hears about about Martin Luther King, um, or that I heard about growing right, up. Right, right, it's right. not the thing. Yeah. You know, it came after some pretty. I don't pretty think they huge...
0: had the rights to any of his actual words, like the script, all that, all those speeches, all those words were them writing kind of in the style of. Oh really? So oh it, wow. So in, in other words, it not only it's like. Because of that, it couldn't, but it didn't hit the highlight reel. It didn't do the biopic bullshit thing of the, the, right. let's hit the highlight reel. It actually created real human moments. So, like, none of those speeches, that's my understanding anyway, none of those speeches were actually his words, but you would have believed well, it. Well, that makes Extremely it even more powerful speeches. Yeah.
2: And especially the one at the end of the film, yeah. when they make it to, to the, where, where were they going? To they were marching to Montgomery. Montgomery, Montgomery right. Um, Capital, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. It just, yeah, it, it really, uh, it had me engage the, the whole film, and I mean, the performances are great, and, and um, it'll get all kinds of acknowledgment, I'm sure, um, although I did see today that she wasn't nominated for the Director's Guild Award, oh, which was awesome. very weird to really? me. Yeah, yeah, she was like a key person left out. Um, well, I mean, in a lot
0: of ways, this movie is Oscar bait. But it, yeah. But it's not. It's better than that. But the, but the it's Oscars need this movie, right? No, more than the it does. But you know what i On paper, if you didn't see it, you might think, oh, of course, Oscar
2: bait. But but it's it's, it's not. It's that good. It's not that good. It's, it's, really that. That good. it's, it's incredible. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the articles. Like we're in different cities of the country. Like seventh, eighth, and ninth graders can go see this film for free if they bring their student ID card. It's that wow. kind of importance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know that's the kind of movie this is, and uh, everybody should see this film. I mean, you know. Like I said before I went on this rant, like I just feel like I find myself and I kind of deem myself as somebody who's pretty in the know. And I I try to, you know, keep up and and know things from my past, Um, my personal past and just the country and everything. But it's good to like to be able to see one of, if not the most important chapter of American history in the 20th century be the subject of the film not be a plot device or not be a background player or not be just context of something else that's bigger than it. Because really not many things were bigger than this in this country. Yeah. And uh, and it was an experience to see it. And and I completely appreciate the the opportunity to see this movie. And uh,
1: How many times did you cry?
2: <laughs> well, I've seen the film twice and I cried. You see, I'm going to cry if we keep talking I about it. it. I cried <laughs> like crazy. I'm kind of like, you can yeah. see it. I'm yeah. kind of welling just up just yeah. in the whole appreciation of an effort like this. And not to like toot anybody's horn that made this film because, like, they know they did something great. I have no doubt. So, job well done. Mm -hmm. But the product, this movie is what you need to be just gushing over. You need to see the film. You need to talk about it. You need to respect it and appreciate it. And and just realize, Mm -hmm. like, even though, like John said, there's so much fucking hate in this movie, you wonder how we got to where we are now. Mm -hmm. But just appreciate that we are where we are now. Yeah. You know, and there has been progress because yeah. it could be like that yeah and no one ever fucking deserves to live a life like that no period
0: well Ronald, i know you gotta get out of here and i'm actually i got one uh one movie that we've already talked about a little bit but i didn't talk about it because Uh-oh. i was saving it for my number right. one it's the one the last one of the last movies i saw but i, I noticed I, the one that you yeah. didn't look up at I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I think Whiplash is extraordinary. It yeah. is. I think it is one of the most exhilarating movies I've ever seen. I, I mean, during that film, it it just dawned on me at a certain moment that I was really loving the filmmaking, the way that they were pulling it, like the 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 shot, the the choices of what shots to show, and the close ups of the the drumsticks Drumming, yeah. and the and 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 that that last part you're talking about, Steve, the little game of one upsmanship between the two characters, where you honestly don't know how it's going to go. And the way that it builds, you didn't realize you were waiting for this moment between these two characters for the whole movie, for them to be united um, in a moment, an emotional moment, a crescendo, a literal emotional and musical and cinematic crescendo, and then the movie ends right when it needs to end. Miles Teller, who I liked before this, is now one to watch forever. Awesome performance. J.K. Simmons, he's always had people uh, blowing him about how great he is, and I think this is this is how great he is. (laughs) I don't know that I've ever seen a performance take such control. You you felt for him,
3: for what yes, he was trying to do. You did. Even when he you was did. being a
0: tuttle dick and he was saying like homophobic things and, and <laughs> offensive things, and you didn't want to be that student. But you felt for someone because you saw that what he cared so much about was making it good. And um, there's a moment in the film where, if if it were any other movie about the guy who's trying to do the thing, and he's getting out of control, and then he gets in a wreck... And then he gets up from the wreck and he shows up to perform Bloody and he ends up tackling his mentor. Maybe this is a spoiler, but you would think that guy's spinning out of control. But at this point in the movie, you've thought about these sort of jazz greats that they're trying to, that like the, the character that um, right. J.K. Simmons plays, uh, Fletcher, the stories they tell about these jazz greats. Showing up bloody to a performance and fucking up and tackling the guy. Those are the sort of things that these greats do. These stories that you hear about the people that really innovated, whether it's country, whether it's jazz, whether it's rock, whatever it is. Y- you hear these stories about these, these outlaws that were doing crazy shit because all they cared about was the music. Yeah. And Miles Teller portrays that so beautifully. And J.K. Simmons directs and, and, and reacts to that so beautifully. I, I honestly don't think I've ever seen another film like this. Neither. And yeah. I don't expect to see another film like this. Uh, Whiplash, fucking A, brilliant. Just excellent across the board. Yeah, yeah I
2: think if the, th- to sum up our top tens, I feel like if we had done the point system, mm-hmm. I feel like Whiplash, Selma, and Guardians were in all of yeah. our top four. So yeah. those are obviously movies you should absolutely see. Well, that's, and that's what I mean when I said I knew either.
0: those were my top three. I was yeah. like, this is unassailable. Like, th- There's no movies yeah. that were... the the other ones that were great as they were, they didn't crack into that sphere of something else. Something that I... It's yeah.
2: crazy that we have like three of the four top mm-hmm. the same for all three of us. Interesting. Yeah. It's almost like we're rubbing off well on gents.
1: each other. I think well so. Well played. I think if J.K. Simmons was in Selma, I think my brain would have exploded. <laughs> I don't think I would have been able to
2: handle it. Oh my think. God, you're so right. <laughs> you you would are so played? Right. He would have
1: played the Giovanni Ribisi character maybe. <laughs> I don't think I would have been able to handle it, man. <laughs> It was so intense. Yeah. Both of those movies were so intense. Well,
0: I had just seen Selma, and it shot to number one. And then yeah. I saw Whiplash, and I was like, you know, as much as I loved Selma, as great as the filmmaking was, I really felt like Whiplash was a, was that rare thing of, like, everything was working together into something that was just, like, alchemy. Is Don't it- you think
2: it's going to be a movie that, like, film students really kind of just, like, it's like a it's like a... I mean, it sets the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. I, felt, I, mean? I felt the same.
0: Shocking, and I don't know much about Damien Chazelle, but he wrote and directed this. Did
2: you hear about the shit with him with the uh, Oscar nominations? About? Yeah, did you hear about
0: that? It's now no. an, it's now an adapted screenplay, which really oh, shouldn't yeah, matter. Yeah. How did, yeah. But, but what How it is is that, is happen? that, that what happened, well, t- in order to raise funding for the film, they shot a the, segment the, the short, of yeah. the film Jesus for Christ. promotional purposes, but that is now being considered a short, a separate film, which this is a derivative work of. Which means it's an adaptation, as opposed to the fact that I don't think they ever intended. It was always intended to be a segment of the movie. Yeah. But I mean, the movie is—it's so sure. I, I'm really curious about this Damien Chazelle guy. Like, what are his other, what are his other aspirations? What other things has he done? Because this was so assured and so yeah. visual, and uh, yeah, just beautiful. It's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what a year, fellas! Great, Great year. Amazing year. Mm-hmm. Awesome movies. A nice, CBS nice movies. variety of movies.
1: Yeah. I, it was. This was one of the more diverse. It was list that we had. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Movieshmovie at gmail.com. Hit us up on iTunes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh We'll be back in a couple weeks. We'll probably try to get into what's coming up this year. Maybe have a couple fun theme episodes that John and Ronald have come up with. <laughs> Maybe, who knows? Mm-hmm. We'll I see. I love theme
1: shows.
2: Um, but uh, yeah, guys, share the name, if in case you forgot it, that's what you're listening to. <laughs> and uh, let your friends know about us so that we can uh keep recording. I mean, we're going to record anyway, even if no one listens, but... You know, yeah, it pays the bills. A little the encouragement, it pays the emotional bills. Yeah. <laughs> As always, guys, you have made our day.